This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. How are you doing? I'm throwing that question out as we head into the discussion about our collective mental health. A new poll finds most of us believe things will get worse before they get better. A majority also report feeling frustrated, isolated, or anxious. Well, it's mental health week, and no question, this thing is dragging on, and we don't have a sense of when it will be over. My personal opinion is that trying to fix a date on when you expect things to get back to normal just makes it worse if that date does not materialize, but apparently a lot of people feel they need some certainty on that note. And on a positive note, what are you most looking forward to? Hugging your kids and grandkids? Going out to a restaurant? Taking a trip? Or are you feeling hesitant about resuming those things? Let me know. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by Dr. Steve Jordans, Professor of Psychology at the University of Toronto, and Dr. Thomas Unger, Psychiatrist-in-Chief at St. Michael's Hospital and Associate Professor at the U of T. Welcome and thanks for being with us. Great to be with you, Libby. Thank you, Libby. Uh, let's begin with Dr. Unger. What have you been seeing working in the hospital? Wow. So we have continued to be busy. The first part of the pandemic, things slowed down. I think people were scared to come to the hospital for the misguided fear that they'd catch COVID, even though we were all wearing our protective equipment. Um, and they really didn't come for care when they might have needed it. But of course, with time, they've had to come and they've started to come. And that's a great thing. And this second wave, since the fall and especially into the new year, we've been slammed. We've been really busy. The emergency room is uh, doing their best and working really hard. And we've had a lot of persons uh, with a variety of mental health and substance use disorders come for care, which is great. That's what we're here for. Um, And we've been doing our job. And I'm very proud of our team for doing that. And uh, have you noticed that things are worse in terms of people's mental health as this drags on? Yeah, so there's such an important distinction in your question is that there's regular life despair and angst and unhappiness and, and with what's going on, and that is real feelings. I've got it. My friends have got it, but that's not a mental illness. So absolutely, there's an increase in that. And the third wave really pulled the rug out from under us just when we thought we could get back to a bit of normal life. So I think that mental health worsening is real. It's happening in people's lives. Uh, let Dr. Jordan speak to that. In terms of illness, though, that's continued throughout. And some of those people tip into illness or have an underlying condition that worsens, and that requires illness treatment, and that's what we're here for. And that's really picked up, especially um, in the emergency room, since, and especially in youth, uh, in December, January, and throughout this new year. And we've just got people, and we're, we're starting to send them around to different hospitals for care, um, and that's really picked up big time. Dr. Jordans, in terms of stuff that might be less serious, but still people are anxious, frustrated, and isolated, uh, is your experience that it just keeps getting worse or what? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we really, with that third wave, um, there's, there's this concept called learned helplessness, which is this idea that when an organism uh, is in some challenging situation and, and keeps trying to get out of it and keeps failing, they can reach a point at some point where they just feel like, man, nothing I do will make a difference. We're going to end up back here anyway. And it's a term that uh, Seligman termed learned helplessness. That's what I really felt a lot of us were feeling with the third wave. Just as we started to feel like we're making progress, you know, we're back in our homes and back in these situations. And I think we started to feel a little bit powerless. 
um, and started to feel a little bit, um, you know, from anxious. We're still anxious, but I think mixed with this anxiety is a little bit of the sort of burnout phenomenon, which sort of comes further down the line as you're as you're dealing with chronic stress. So that lack of motivation, that feeling like it's really hard to be productive, and, and kind of like this not caring blah attitude, I think has become very um, much more dominant since the third wave than it was before. Dr. Unger, we've been talking a bit about healthcare professionals and, and PTSD and also for people who have been patients with serious cases. What can you tell us about that? Interesting. And you're right. I mean, we throw the term trauma around. Uh, it's great that we recognize it, but not everyone who has anything tough in their life is necessarily going to be traumatized. In fact, most people even who go through a horrible experience actually recover quite well with their own natural uh, support systems without any intervention. But this is a bit unusual. The degree of of what's going on, particularly in hospitals and ICUs, um, amongst healthcare workers and others, in some cases, and being admitted to an ICU for maybe a month uh, and getting out, that can have a, a traumatizing effect. It's out of normal experience. And so there are a small number of people who might actually be re-experiencing it having flashbacks, avoidance, and really getting unwell. And that is PTSD. And we're seeing that amongst a very small number of health providers and patients uh, who've had a terrible illness, even though they've come out of it. Uh, Dr. Jordans, what about this business about needing to put an end date on it? Is that a good thing or a bad thing, or does it just depend. You know, I, I sometimes argue it's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said. You don't want to be too optimistic in you know where you're setting that. So for me, for example, I, I'm telling people now. So let's start thinking about Christmas. You can make travel plans. You can assume that um, you'll be able to get together. And and the reason you might do that is because there's a very powerful force of anticipation. You know, sometimes when we think about just addictive behaviors, let's say shopping addiction, and we, and we think, oh, when that person finds that great bargain, then all this dopamine is released in their brain and they feel great. But that's not really true. The dopamine is released as they're searching for that bargain. It is literally the thrill of the chase. The anticipation of finding something is a very positive, invigorating force. And so, you know, I think we haven't had anything to look forward to for a long, long time. I think as long as we can be semi-realistic about it, and to me, Christmas seems like a like a very realistic date to, to think about it, then making plans and starting to be able to look forward to that can actually counteract some of the, the effects of cortisol, which is the, the stress hormone that's flooding our, our bodies and really making us feel horrible right now. But then on the other hand, so for instance, take, uh, you know, these rolling deadlines, you know, the, the government says there's a stay-at-home order uh, in effect until May 20th. Yep. It's somewhere around there. So for people who think this is going to end on May 20th, I would think that it, it's even worse if, if it doesn't. Yeah, well, that that's exactly loops back into that learned helplessness thing. That's the problem with hope, as it were. It, it sustains you until it's gone. Uh, and the moment it's gone, then it was like, oh, wow, I thought we were okay, but we're still not. So, yeah, another step backwards if people are thinking, you know, May, and I think that's way too optimistic. You know, that, that would be just the next attempt at seeing what happens when we open up a little bit. And depending on the variants and stuff, we don't know what the answer to that is. So it could be, you know, I think that's way too optimistic. But I think counting out, you know, months from now into the fall, into the winter, then you can be pretty sure uh, about things. But if you if you get too quickly optimistic, then you could keep running into these barriers and feeling like, you know, that learned helplessness is building. And, and we want to avoid that. Yeah, and I mean, I know there was even last weekend, uh, there have been a lot of people who are very upset that uh, outdoor activities like yeah. tennis and golf are are not here, and there was uh, some kind of leak or speculation that that would be lifted. And when it didn't happen, people people yeah. are upset. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all, you know, the emotional part of us, the human part of us, like all these things we're not allowed to do now, they were very socially acceptable. And in, and in many cases, they were the sort of peak of humanity, you know, hugging each other and, and being there for each other. And now suddenly we've had to inhibit all of this stuff for over a year. That's the job of our frontal lobes. And our frontal lobes are getting really tired of babysitting the more primitive emotional side of us that just wants to be out there and be with friends. 
and and we're seeing that fatigue kind of um, sink in and you know some people are getting out there despite the rules but other people yeah are just really chomping at the bit and when they get a feeling like oh I'm going to be free and then it's taken away from them that can be really really hard on the psyche Okay, I'm going to take a couple of calls. We've got Barry in North York. Hi, Barry. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm great. A friend of mine called me the other day and said, how can you be great? You're the only person I know that's great. Well, I'm in a good position. I don't need to work. I don't need to be around crowds of people. As a matter of fact, I don't. I don't don't even go to the grocery store. I'm down 10 pounds now. Well, I hope that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I have grocery delivery, and um, and I go out once a once a day for a walk, and I've got more time to connect with my friends in a really good way to listen to them if they have problems. I can help them out. Um, I've done courses like the Emotional Resilience course um, to help them out, help me out, uh, watch funny videos. I'm having a good time actually, but I'm lucky because I'm a, I'm not in India. If we think we're really in a bad situation, think about being in India, right? Yeah, those those are all, um, I mean, thinking that it could be worse and that that you are fortunate and it's, uh, you know, a relative thing. Those are all very positive things to do, Barry. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Have a great day. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, Barry's attitude is great, but also, on the other hand, his, his situation is pretty good to Dr. Unger. Yeah, so it's so interesting because I do know a small number of people who actually are not minding what's going on in the same way Barry just said. Uh, You know, when life gives you lemons, they make lemonade out of it. So the healthy coping strategy there is there's so much that we can't do and we can get stuck focusing on the negative only. uh, And we all have that. The, The trick is to also remember the positive and what can you do? What is under your control? And how can you do something with that? And for some people, they get to that project, getting to that scrapbook they never got to do with all those old photos that are sitting in a box for years to one day get to. And they're actually using their time to do things they otherwise wouldn't have ever had the opportunity to. So trying to focus on what you can control to make the most of that, whether it's exercise or projects, that's a lovely thing. Even if you're still upset about the negative stuff, you can't. It's a really nice balancing thing. Yeah. Uh, Let's hear from Laura in Hamilton. Hello, Laura. Hi, good afternoon. First of all, let me say I was sorry to hear about your hospital stay and that you're out now. Thank you. Adding to a comment this morning, optimism and barriers, they seem to be our new norm. I am a multiple myeloma patient diagnosed in last October 2019, went through chemo, went through the stem cell transplant all by myself at Jurevinsky in Hamilton, recovering, and a year to the day I was diagnosed, my daughter was diagnosed with a rare cervical cancer. Oh, gee. Yeah. She went through her surgery in January, quit her job, found a new lease on life, has gone back to school, college, although it be um, on video. Uh, She wrote me this morning and said, Mom, I'm over this. She has a two-year-old son next month, and I said, listen, Jude will see his cousins. He's a baby. He has no idea what's going on. Kids are resilient. We're the only ones that are feeling sorry for ourselves. I said, count your blessings. Get on with your life, and it, it doesn't matter. We are all able to have our boo-hoo moments. I have a lot of those in the bathroom. <laughs> but coping with cancer and COVID has been a real struggle for both of us. And having treatments, luckily, I've been able to keep treatments and seeing my doctor up at Jervinsky. So we all have to take this, this old saying with a grain of salt with maybe a huge chunk of salt and just count our blessings, find the best in life, have our boo-hoo moments and continue on. Uh, very good advice, Laura. And, and you know, uh, my heart goes out to you. I, that would be so hard. I've, I've talked to a number of people who have had to go through their cancer treatment in the midst of this. And on the one hand, they're grateful they're still getting their treatment, but it's really even tougher, and it's it's tough at the best of times. So all the best to you, Laura. Thanks Thank for you. your We call. have um, the room that I was put in at Jurevinsky. It was on the fourth floor looking over the mountain, over the Hamilton Mountain downtown. My daughter-in-law is a nurse on that ward, and she and her husband with their four kids would come to the corner. He'd call me on the phone, and we'd wave at each other and talk on the phone, and I'd see them four stories down. That was, that was boo-hoo moments. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. Thank you. Bye.
So, um, Dr. Jordan, is it, is, is it, does it come down to the way people are wired that we have people who are in actually pretty bad situations who, you know, can get through it and find the positive, uh, and some people, you know, the opposite? Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's really nice, actually, to hear two optimistic calls, even after, you know, you hear some pretty tricky situations. And, and that last one, especially, I mean, it is really, really tough, because when we're undergoing, you know, medical stress and stuff, our family and our loved ones are our go-to support system. They are what keep us, you know, level. And so being denied close contact with them as well really makes it a much more lonely and stressful experience to go through. The fact that she was able to do that and, and, and with what happened with her daughter as well and, and to be so optimistic, you know, really does show that a lot of how we end up feeling um, is a function of how we think about things, how we frame things in our mind. In fact, a lot of the therapeutic approaches are, are targeted, like cognitive behavior therapy is really targeted at helping people learn new mental habits because if they can look at things in a different way and, and at least, you know, recognize the positives that are, that are out there, um, that can have a big difference on their mental state, which can have a big difference on their physical state. Uh, because from the work of Hans Selye, we've, we've known that our mind, what's going on in our mind affects our physical state. And we can, you know, as the doctor was saying previously, we can affect what's on our mind through what we interact with with the environment. If, if things make us laugh right now, they are medicine. Uh, and if we can schedule those into our day, get that laughter, get the endorphin hit with that, that helps our mind, that helps our body. So there are things people can do if they're feeling down. It is about learning strategies to try to get some positivity into your mind and into your life and then using those as, as well as you can, um, scheduling them in, into your day as, as things to help you stay level during a really tough time. Dr. Unger, uh, you've said that you're seeing more psychiatric emergencies. How does the fact that family members can't go into a hospital with a loved one for that or anything else, how, uh, what's the effect of that? Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, Part of it's that we've just delayed, some people have delayed coming for help for a little while as long as they could, but the illnesses occur anyhow. Uh, the system was already pretty at peak, almost 100% much of the time anyhow, so there wasn't much what we call flex capacity to absorb. Uh, so it's hard to know if this is COVID-related or if this is just the busyness we usually get. And a lot of uh, community services or other providers, maybe where people would go on their way up as they're getting unwell, some of them weren't open or as, as accessible as they might have been. So maybe it just got, uh, things got more acute, so then they end up coming to the hospital or to the emergency room. So, um, and then, of course, the substance use issues uh, have increased, and that probably is COVID-related uh, as people self-medicating or trying to do something to deal with their anxiety or their general level of despair, and that's just sad and tragic uh, and so we're seeing some of that as well. Yeah, we saw some numbers on that. Actually, it was uh, this morning from Kai High uh, Health Information. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, again, when people are now coming to emergency, but they can't bring their families in with them, what is the impact of that? Yeah, that, again, it's very sad and lonely for them, of course. Uh, amazingly, the, the, the system has overused word pivoted, to be very innovative and creative. You know, you see 10 years of change in a week with COVID in terms of how care is delivered. We've got iPads and, and different virtual ways to try to connect people so that if they're in an isolation room, they don't have the touch or the support of their family as much as they would have. Uh, but we're trying to do everything to keep them connected in some ways. And what at first was keeping them isolated, quarantine, they've loosened up on that to try to get them there. But it is a lot more stressful to come for care when you're on your own. Uh, and all the providers know that. And, and they doing their best to try to mitigate that as best they can. Hmm. There, there is another impact of that, just at the last point that he mentioned on the healthcare workers themselves who are already, of course, you know, overworked and, and going through these very difficult times, seeing death more than they ever have before. And they also are feeling some responsibility to, to bring that humanity to patients that the family can't bring. You know, they are the ones that are holding the hands of the people that are dying. Um, and, and that's really hard for them as well to have to, you know, really be that, that human connection to people while they're also doing everything they can to try to promote the health of those people. So it's just one more thing that the healthcare workers uh, have on their plate right now. Oh, yeah. Very, very tough. Uh, let me turn to something else, and that's uh, the idea of either looking forward or 
feeling hesitant about resuming certain things. I mean, I, I can tell you personally, there are things that I'm looking forward to, but there are also things that, you know, even with vaccination, uh, that, that I would feel hesitant about, you know, the first time you're going into a crowded room, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so, so I'll jump in on that one real quick, sir. Um, so I was a few months ago when before this wave hit, I was out there promoting what I called the great snapback. Uh, and what I claimed was this, this emotional need we have, this human need we have to be connected and stuff is so powerful. And all of our old habits are so powerful that the moment we feel safe, we will find ourselves doing these things that right now we're thinking, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. You know, I, I really predict aside from those people who feel you know, real existential threat. So some people have been really fearful. And, and just as the doctor was saying earlier, you know, those people who really felt their life was at threat, they could end up with PTSD-like symptoms or something like that. But most of us haven't been at that level. We've just been really anxious and really uncomfortable. And I think when we really feel safe, we are going to snap back um, in a pretty dramatic way. Um, I think we will all want to be back there. Uh, and once we feel it, we'll know how badly we want it. Dr. Unger, do you agree? Yeah, I, again, I, I think it'll be a gradual ramp up. I don't know about the snapback. It's a really interesting idea. Um, I mean, my, the human part of me and the person wants to have a big blowout party, of course. Uh, uh, whether I'll be able to contain that to just kind of ramp ramp down my protections more gradually, I think that's what we all do in life normally. I, I think back to the, the fall of last year when I play this old-timers hockey game and... Um, we had one game back in when it was just allowed, and we had to get special masks and special face masks. So, so we did it, but very cautiously and gradually. It was horrible, actually. We couldn't breathe with all the stuff on oh, our face. Oh, dear. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so we tried to do a gradation of starting to do it, and gradual start seeing people outdoors and start having a fully vaccinated inside, and we'll work our way up to the big party. But I don't know. Maybe Dr. Jordan was right, and I'll just lose just have a big blowout. I don't know. I'm going to try to manage my risk keeping with that and ramp it down but we'll see if i can do that well i'm i'm looking forward to out <clears throat> outdoor sports but i was a sort of a big uh sort of hug uh to all people that i know i i don't know if i'm going back to that <laughs> Yeah, the hugging may be behind us. I mean, hugging was getting a little, um, j- just for other reasons as well, of not necessarily knowing what the other person felt about the hug. So uh, I was a hugger too, and, uh, and I was kind of feeling like, oh, even before the pandemic, like, okay, maybe this isn't cool anymore, which sucks. But, you know, I do think, uh, I know in Australia, I've got friends in Australia, and I had a, a virtual meeting, and they've been sort of out of the woods for a long, long time. And in one of the virtual meetings, the guy was in a pub, and behind him, I saw people doing pre-pandemic things. And I was like, oh, my goodness, um, I can't believe people are shaking hands and, and interacting the way they are. And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't know what happened here now. Uh, well, so I don't know. There was a, I, I thought a rather strange question in this survey that I quoted, and they said, when? So they asked people to give a year, like, when, it, mm-hmm. when will you go on a foreign trip? And yeah. one of them was, when will you eat a piece of cake after somebody has blown out oh the candles? <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, cupcakes. <laughs> That's, you know, I haven't given it a lot of thought. I, I mean, we will be a little more sensitive to those things, too. I, I do agree. I think in general, we'll see the snapback. But certainly, you know, close connection with germs. We have started to, to view each other's in a, in a fearful way. It's not quite like taste aversion where you have single shot learning uh, when something makes you sick. We've just had the threat of being close to other people as potentially making us sick. But that could still have some remnant effect. And, and yeah, I could see, uh, for example, I interact a lot with Dutch people and Dutch people like to come really close to you when they talk. I'm not looking forward to my next visit to the Netherlands um, when having people, you know, two inches from my from my face speaking to me. Well, th- that's in a lot of cultures, actually, yeah. and I'm wondering if if that will change, Doctor Unger. I mean, it's not a medical question. But... Yeah, no. So I, I mean, my parents were European immigrants from Eastern Europe, uh, and uh, so even kissing men on both sides of the cheek, you know, that was and hugging that was normal. I think we will have some changes. Uh, uh, I, I actually worked at a hospital at North Surf General before St. Michael's and lived through the 2003 SARS crisis, uh, which fortunately didn't get into the community, stayed only in the hospital. This crisis, of course, has gone out into the community. And ever since then, a few things did change in how we deliver healthcare and even how I, I deal with my day. Like, I 
started a habit of trying to push the elevator buttons with my keys in 2003, and that has lingered, and I've kept that. So I think we will get back to normal life, but we will learn a few lessons and have a few changes uh, to our social lives, such as blowing up the birthday cake. <laughs> it seems strange and crazy now to do that. So that might get reworked in the future. Yeah, agreed. Um, so uh, just to wrap things up, uh, Dr. Jordans, what, what do you want to say to people who are experiencing, who are feeling bleak, who think things are going to get worse? What, what are some quick things that they might be able to do to lift the mood? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for, for me, as weird as this was, I watched a little bit of American media this morning where they you know, are coming out of it better than we are. And so you're actually hearing optimistic kind of stuff. And, and when you know... And you understand, hey, the better it gets for America, what, what's, what's really our trick is vaccine supply. And the better things get in America, the easier the supply will come to us and, and the quicker we'll be able to, to catch up to where they are. So, I, you know, I never used to be able to say this, but now they are a little bit of the ghost of Christmas future and it's a good ghost. And so every now and then peeking in there and saying, yes, OK, they're a few months ahead of us, but, but that's the path we're on uh, because it really felt like we were going the, the wrong direction. And now we're at least plateaued. But hopefully we'll start to feel that right direction. And I think we need that badly now. We need to feel that momentum going the direction um, that, that's going to lead to more normalcy. Dr. Unger? Yeah, every day I look at how many more people got vaccinated today, yeah. 200, 300,000. And that's a nice chunk that keeps us moving forward. And that's what gives me hope. Um, people are feeling down and bleak and worried, including myself. And that's normal. That's to be expected. If you're not feeling something, that's probably what's strange. Yeah. Um, if you're really unwell, though, please reach out for help. Your family doctor, a crisis line, emergency rooms are open for those who really need it. I hope that continues. And what I find personally helpful, and maybe it's my background, is I also put this into a historical context for myself. Um, you know, fortunately, we've had such good times for so long in North America. We haven't had a major war here that we've had to lose people to or, or fight. We've been so blessed, and now we're having something go on. But Previous generations got through horrible times, uh, and they came out the other side and did well. So we're just having one of those. And this will end. I wouldn't set an exact date, but the trend is going, well, not this month, but the trend will go in a better direction. And I try to remind myself that. Okay. Good advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Thomas Unger and Dr. Steve Jordans. Thank you, Libby. Okay. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, have you been shopping online? Um, what's it like if you need customer service? Uh, uh, this is a first world problem, but we'll get on to that because frankly, my experience, it's terrible when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Have you been shopping online? That's the only option for many things, and more people than ever are doing it. But what about customer service? I get that retailers are strapped and that a lot of new workers on the fulfillment side have been hired and not necessarily trained properly. And believe me, I'm mindful that those people are working so the rest of us can get packages on our doorstep. Uh, but in the meantime, many locally based sales and customer service people have been let go. So I understand if you order something, there'll be mistakes. But here's my observation. You can't solve anything with a civilized conversation with somebody who's responsible. My experience lately is that the only way to get some action on something that was a mistake is to post really nasty comments on social media, and then somebody will get back and deal with you. So is it just me? Uh, and again, I want to say this is what I call a first world problems. There are a lot more serious problems in the world. We've just been talking about some of them. But 
I would like to know your experience. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And let's bring in Ellen Roseman, a consumer advocate and journalist, as well as Sean Belding, CEO of the Belding Group of Companies, which are experts on customer service and customer experience. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. So am I wrong that, uh, you know, the what used to be the old channels for customer service uh, are fairly useless these days? Sean? Um, yes. Um, yes. I'll say yes and no. Um, uh, yes, your, your point exactly, 100%. And, and even now, sadly, uh, even even social media is getting less effective because organizations like Costco is a great example, have just stopped paying it. Rather than have to respond to angry customers, we've just stopped paying attention. Um, so, and, and yeah, so that, yeah, that's a yes. The only no is that I, what I've been finding and hearing from people uh, is that the most effective way to get something is to write down old fashioned letter. Like if you really want the results, address it, to a personal and confidential to the CEO of a company, the president of a company and send it off. And you might have to wait a few weeks, but somebody will get back to you. Oh, gee. Um, so, so <laughs> this is what, what I've been finding because, you know, it used to be, uh, back, you know, before online shopping was that common here in Canada, I would only ever, ever order anything if I knew the exact thing was perfect because returning anything was a nightmare. Uh, it's got, in general, it's, it's gotten better. The, the last few things I ordered, I, completely the wrong item was what I received. But these are big companies where there used to be somebody that you could deal with. So um, they have uh, customer service lines. Uh, I've had dealt with one in the Philippines, one in South Africa. In in the Philippines, I found that the people on the other end of it didn't necessarily have proper internet connections. South Africa, and you'd have to wait, uh, you'd get somebody who spoke perfect English. And at the end of a long thing, literally, uh, they would say something like, I'm sorry, I don't have the resources to help you. And um, the only way uh, you put a nasty, nasty tweet up on social media, and then I think it's a bot that answers and, and tells you to do a direct message. And even then it can take a month. But <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it seems like it's a bot because there, there'd be one question, you know, what happened? And if you didn't take it from a pull down menu, they'd say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. So it's, it's, I mean, I just find it appalling. Alan. I agree. Um, I, I think we can't blame only the retailer. There seem to be some supply bottlenecks because of COVID-19 and because of the fact that there's so many goods that are exported from outside Canada. Uh, but the retailers don't know what to do because they don't know when it's coming. So instead of saying, uh, you know, it's in indefinite uh, arrival, how about we'll give you a refund or a credit that you can buy something else? They just keep, you know, stringing you on with excuses. I do blame the retailers for making it very difficult to call and wait on the phone. And they're still using those lines about extraordinary volume or extra, you know, demand. Right. And we know that uh, demand is always high and they just don't have enough people to answer. And very few of them even let you do a callback number, which would be so great because then they're not wasting your time sitting around. Um, I'd throw in the telephone telecom companies as well. Um, I talked to a professional phone negotiator who works with businesses to try and get them the best deals. And he's often calling in to see, you know, what the deals are and going through customer service. And he's saying that he once drove from Oshawa to, I think, Burlington in his car, and he was on hold that entire time. So they just have no respect for our time and just keep us waiting and hope that we'll hang up and then we'll start all over. And then people also say once they get started, in the phone conversation, for some reason, it just disappeared. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so it's become a jungle. Um, I have to say one thing, though, and, and I'm not even working full-time at the Toronto Star anymore, but I did that for 20 years where I helped people get through to large companies. A number of people still write to me, and I still have all my media contacts, and my media contacts at these big companies are pretty 
happy to take these complaints. <laughs> so I can help people that way. And, you know, there's other people out there too. There's Pat Foran and Sean O'Shea and a variety of people who do, or CBC Marketplace. Um, so you might try the media as well because they can get through so much more easily than the average customer can. Uh, Ellen, I am the media. And if, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm dealing with a personal thing, I try not to bring that in, right? I mean, yeah. They yeah. might notice the when there's a tweet, but um, yeah, I try I try not to mix that. And again, these are things, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be such a big deal. And there's one department store that sends things through a company that deals with a delivery and and duties and stuff. But it says right there, any refund you call the company, and the company sort of says, "Oh no, it's them!" Like they're pointing fingers yeah. at each other. And um, I did walk into a store there briefly. Um, stores were open, remember? <laughs> and and I tried to have a polite conversation with some salespeople saying, you know, you might want to tell your supervisor because really there's one customer. And it's like they were shaking their heads. No, has nothing to do with us. I mean, you know. Honestly, I, I I walked out of there thinking, you know, I bet this retailer is getting ready to exit Canada. Sean? Well, I, yeah, I, and it's so frustrating. And, and it's not your imagination. Um, customer service has been getting progressively worse for a long time now. Um, Arizona State University, they, they keep a customer rage index. Um, <laughs> they've been doing it since 1976. And so, and basically, it's like the level of anger customers have towards stores, and it's at record levels, and it's just been progressively getting worse. And that, the, their last index was before the COVID thing, so you can imagine, right, <laughs> where it is now. And and it's so, I mean, I, I, I feel like, like Alan, I mean, Alan hit a bang on, you feel for retailers, because this, you know, the last you know, year has been just just a horrible, horrible time for them trying, you know, trying to keep people employed, trying to do a good job, laying people off, so on and so forth. And then you feel bad for the people on the front lines because, you know, you can be upset and they're like, well, I can't do anything about it. Um, you know, they're not empowered. They don't have anything. And really, you know, what it boils down to is that, um, is that customers like us, we just, we're starting to feel like numbers. We're starting to feel like nobody actually cares about us. Um, as individuals or as numbers or what we care about. And the reality is, I think, um, and it may not sound fair to if there's any CEOs out there listening, but right now, we are numbers. Um, companies, large companies, the large retailers, they're focused on, they have some really significant metrics that they follow. Like when you get those things that say, you know, how, how likely would you be to refer your <clears throat> our, us to a friend or a family member? I mean, that's a very specific type of metric. And they just lean on those things. And so they, they've stopped listening to human beings. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're paying the price for it as customers. Right. Let me just take a call from Bonnie in Richmond Hill. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Um, I haven't ordered, like, from Amazon or anything like that. But my, my thing was this Saturday, my husband and I are seniors. And we ordered pizza from a Pizza Pizza in Oak Ridges. And at 5.43, we called and we ordered our supper. And we always order extra so we can put some in the freezer and have it through the week and that. So our bill came to $52 and change. We took a bite out of the pizza. It was like leather and it was stone cold. And we never complained. Like I said, we're seniors. We've ordered pizza how many thousands of times in our life? But this was so bad, I called the store back, and I said, this isn't edible. I said, the pizza is here. We just want it replaced. So I talked to the, the person that said they were in charge there. They said, okay, we'll make it, and we'll send it back out to you. So an hour and a half later, we're still waiting, and nothing has come. So I called to find out what was going on, and somebody else answered and said, no, we're not sending anything out. The supervisor said, no, we're not sending you anything. If you want, we can give you a credit that you can use within the next six weeks. I said, I don't want a pizza in the next six weeks. This was our <laughs> supper. We, we want our supper. They put me through to four different people. I said, I want to speak to a manager. Nobody would send us a pizza. 
So Monday, I went back because it was still driving me crazy. $52 of that is gone. I went into the store personally, and I said, are you the manager of this store? He said, yes, I am. I said, were you here Saturday night? No, I wasn't. My son was in charge. I told him what happened. He goes, my son told me about you. I don't believe you. I go, did you eat the pizza? He said, no, I didn't. I go, why would I make up such a thing? I said, the, right now, honestly, Libby, this morning, that pizza went out because to, today is our um, compost day when that stuff goes out. It's still two, two large pizzas with this stuff. They would do nothing. They wouldn't reimburse, reimburse or anything. I said, all we wanted was our supper. No, Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie, that's an incredible story. Uh, my advice to you was next time, order from a different pizza company. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I told him when I left, he goes, you get out of my store. He didn't believe me. I said, why would two seniors make up a story about that? I said, we're both on a pension. $52 is a lot of money to us. It's not something that we do all the time. This is, this, you know, something that we do, and then we'll have it for several days. Why would we make such a thing up? And now I, well, I definitely will never, ever, ever go there again. But the thing is, people kept saying to me when I was telling them what happened, we'll just have them uh, make another one in the six weeks. I go, I'd be afraid somebody would spit on it or put garbage. <laughs> I don't know because of the way... We were treated. I never, I have never experienced anything like well, that. Well, maybe, before. maybe they're listening and somebody will apologize to you. Bonnie, thanks for sharing that. That's like just wild. It, it was wild. Thank you so much. Okay. 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 I, I have to tell you a, a, a good pizza story. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we ordered pizza and um, a dessert, a nice tiramisu. I ordered it online. I paid for it. They they called by the time I got home and they said, um, we don't have the tiramisu. Uh, we can we can give you a credit for next time. I said, you know, fine. And uh, then we ordered again. And <laughs> they gave us a credit for a lot more than the cost of wow. that tiramisu. So there you go. I mean, we've got to take a break in a sec, but just that wild story there, Ellen, about pizza. Yeah, it seems that maybe the son who was in charge didn't have his customer service uh, training yet. You know, in general, smaller businesses are very exactly uh, hold on to loyal customers. And it sounds like this couple were ordering all the time from the same pizza place. So, you know, what's the harm in it? You know, if you can not only give them what they asked for, but even a little more, as in your case with the tiramisu, you make sure that those customers aren't going to blame you for the odd mistake that happens. They'll be grateful and they'll continue going to you. But now she's given the name over the radio and that's really going to hurt them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, one of, one of the things my takeaway from this is, uh, you know, one of the bad experiences I had was dealing with, you know, a very good brand of, of kitchenware stuff, but I dealt with the, the head office in Montreal, uh, that were horrible as opposed to trying to buy it from a retailer, first of all, who probably needed the business and would have treated me a lot better. But we've got to take a break. We'll be back with more on this. Let me give the numbers out again. Uh, if you have a customer service nightmarish story, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740, and we'll be right back with more. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We're talking about customer service, particularly for online shopping. Uh, and I want to take a couple of calls, but Sean or Ellen, is this just a matter we keep seeing numbers about the explosion of online shopping is it is it just a matter that these big retailers they've cut to the bone and and they've decided that hey uh unhappy customers aren't cutting into uh our our customer base i mean what's going on here sean um yes in some ways i think that's what it is but but and i had to laugh because after the last caller i was mentally doing the math about the one place where, where my wife and I buy our pizza, 
And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, if I stop doing business with them again, they're going to lose two pizzas a month, you know, times 12 months a year times how many more years eating <laughs> pizza. I mean, that, that one, you know, one mistake costs them a lot of money. And I think that's the math that, that businesses aren't doing. But I do believe, and I, I honestly do, I think that uh, as we start coming out of the pandemic and as, as the world starts opening up, people are going to, we're going to, we don't have a lot of choices now where, where to buy stuff. I think we will. And, and I think that we've, I think that people are going to have choices and they're going to start making choices. So companies that continue to, to not be as that good, hopefully, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to start feeling the pain and have to smarten up with it. I think, I really do believe that might happen. Yeah, but I also think that, that again, you know, that there are companies that are probably going to exit Canada. Right. I also want to point out there's been an on, a rise in online fraud involving shopping. Um, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre just put out something saying it's a non-delivery issue where you're looking online, you have something in mind, you see the price at the big retailers, and then you see a much more attractive price somewhere else. They often have a brand name that you like. You look at their site, you've never heard of this retailer, but they have all these great testimonials and endorsements, and you think, oh, that's great. You put in your order, and nothing ever shows up, right? And mm -hmm. then you discover there's no phone call, there's no, no immediate way of getting in touch with them because there's no phone line, there's no address. You write emails, they ignore your emails. This happened to someone that I talked to where she was told at first it wouldn't be delivered, and then she said, yes, it has been delivered, here's your shipping link, but there was no link to track it or anything like that. So in that kind of situation, you give up on the store and you just go back to your credit card company. Always pay by credit card because you do have a guarantee against unauthorized purchases and you make sure that they will cover it. And if you've been waiting for a long, long time, the, they have a time limit of 60 to 90 days, but tell them it's not from when you made the purchase, but from the last time they promised you'd get a delivery. And so, you know, get them to cover it because that is an issue too, that many people are just not... Like when you see something online and it looks good, it doesn't occur to you right away that it might be a fake. Even the name might be a fake or the goods might be counterfeit. Uh, so you've got to be really careful because you can't just drop into the store the way you used to. Well, exactly. And you want to stay with the maybe, uh, you know, the brand name retailers that you know, but then you get this customer service. Uh, let me take a call from, is it Louie in St. Catharines? Lois. Lois. Okay. Sorry. We have a typo on here. Lois, uh, what was your experience? We only have a few minutes. Well, I bought a box spring and mattress from the brick and it was defective. It wasn't the one I ordered. I called them the next day and they would do absolutely nothing about it. I kept calling them and finally they said, I could upgrade if I went to a higher price or I could have a refund of $50. Now, if they sent me something defective, that's their fault, not mine. And I've been bugging them my 190 days almost up, and they still will not do anything about it. That's a big company. That sounds, uh, Ellen? Yeah, they, they have someone there that I deal with who's a manager of dispute resolution, so that's a higher level. Mm -hmm. So you want to get to that point. Have you shown them how it's defective? Obviously, they're not going to come and look at it, right? But have you sent photos and uh, all kinds of evidence that they can use? No, I, my granddaughter tried to get a hold of them to get somebody uh, to come and look or have some satisfaction. They just said that was what I bought. And they're not going to do anything about it. And I don't think it's fair for them to jip anybody, much less seniors that are, you know, really hard up for money. Yeah. In such cases, I usually advise that you try the Better Business Bureau because companies like that do tend to pay attention to Better Business Bureau complaints. You file a complaint, they ask the company to try and resolve it, and at least you're you're getting beyond the company. And if the BBB tries to get the money back, maybe you'll get somewhere. I don't know. What, what about try. this manager of dispute resolution, Ellen? Uh, yeah, her, her name is Leanne Delaire, and uh, you might try that. Just call them up and ask for her. It's Leanne and then D-E-L-L-A-I-R-E, -E. Um, because uh, also Leon's owns the brick, so you might try Leon's as well. 
Well, I went to Leon's, and they said, unfortunately, there was nothing they could do about it because they were, even though they're the same, they were separate stores. Oh, well, yeah. Um, uh, I would try that dispute resolution uh, person. Lois, thank you very much for your call. So uh, we're almost out of time here. Ellen, I mean, I would have expected that if there's an actual retailer on the ground that that wouldn't be so hard that it would mostly the problem would be with these online shopping where there's no actual person there but it looks like you know it doesn't matter yeah and uh amazon is huge and a lot of people feel that they don't want to deal with them but they have a more relaxed process on customer uh you know dissatisfaction if you think something is wrong they will take it back really and uh yeah i've had bad experiences with amazon well it depends if you're buying directly from amazon or from a third-party seller who's on the amazon platform because then you're dealing more with just an individual who's using amazon for sales but i got a book a number of years ago that had a whole bunch of holes in the cover and I thought this was crazy. And I called them up and they said, oh, we'll send you another one. And then I realized later that that was deliberate because the, the title was something like, don't shoot the messenger. So they had like bullet <laughs> holes in the car. But Amazon didn't, you know, blink an eyelash. They just said, okay, send you another one right away. Well, I, I changed my mind about something I ordered. It was the second thing ever, like a day after I ordered it. And the person on the other line said, uh, we're going to take 25% of your money. And it was only like we, we also had their video service. I said, fine, then I'll cancel this. And and so I got my money back, but the thing hadn't even been delivered yet. So yeah. I thought, no more Amazon for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy these days. I guess we have to hope that the stores open again and we'll be able to do more business in person and not have to deal with online shopping. Uh, Sean, what, what's your takeaway? I mean, the the only silver lining I see in this is that maybe, you know, for all the talk that uh, bricks and mortar are dead, maybe not so much. I, I, I don't think, I think they'll reinvent themselves. But, but I have to say for everybody listening out there, um, like there's absolutely nothing I could add to, uh, to, to Alan's advice uh, in terms of, I mean, one of the best places to, to turn to is somebody somebody like Ellen or somebody that, that has been a journalist that, that understands how, how to get in and how to get those kinds of results because, you know, you, you have to work on that. I do believe, and I, I genuinely believe, that most people, like human beings uh, that are on the front lines, the people we're dealing with, want to do well. <laughs> they, they want to do the right thing, and they're usually res- you know, constricted by by whatever, or whatever policies and that sort of thing. So sometimes you have to make a little noise. That's why Twitter works. Well, yeah. Okay, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Sean Belding and Ellen Roseman. Appreciate it. Thanks, Libby. It was fun. And people, tomorrow is Free For All Friday, so we can continue the conversation about some of the nightmare stories you have about online shopping or phone shopping tomorrow, as well as anything else you want to talk about, because we didn't have time to take all the calls. And... That's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.